as that is the character of Dominican life, joy. And finally, preaching. Because why are we all here? To go forth and preach the good news. And so for this morning, I would like to talk about obedience. Two people in all of history know the perfect love of Jesus Christ. They exemplified it. Mary, his mother, and John the Baptist, his cousin and his forerunner. No two people in all the world knew the love of Christ the way Mary and John the Baptist knew it and presented it. So they will be kind of hinges on which I talk here. Firstly, Mary. Obedience. My patron St. Augustine said, It is a far more noble thing for Mary to be the disciple of Jesus than for her to be his mother. Now you've got to stop and say, wait, wait a minute. Did, did a, a father of the church really say that? Did, did a, the great, one of the greatest theologians of, of our church actually make such a claim? One would think it's a greater honor to be his mother. Jesus has many disciples, only one mother. But Augustine holds it's a far more noble thing for Mary to be the disciple of Jesus than to be his mother. Well, as Augustine goes on to say, what is carried in the womb passes on to its own right. What is carried in the heart and mind is something that we own. What we carry in our hearts and minds changes us. So for Mary, for a brief time in her life, carried our Lord in her womb. But throughout her life, even to this day, she carries her son in her heart and in her mind. Mary, too, is forever changing in Christ, growing. She is perfection. She is a model for us. But she also is open to always growing in God's love throughout her life on earth and even as she prays for us in heaven. Mary's role in the church, as the Catechism tells us, is inseparable from her union with Christ. This union of the mother with her son in the work of salvation is made manifest from the time of Christ's conception up to his death. Thus the Blessed Virgin Mary advanced in her pilgrimage of faith and faithfully persevered in her union with her son unto the cross. Where do we see Mary's obedience contrasted in the Gospels with another? Recall when the angel comes to Zechariah and says, Behold, your wife in her advanced age, who is barren, will bear a son. And he basically says, well, how can this be? And the angel Gabriel says, it will happen because it is God's will. And because you have doubted it, you're not going to say a thing. You will be silent until this child is born. On the other hand, the angel Gabriel came to a small town and spoke to a virgin named Mary and says, Behold, 
You will conceive and bear a son. And Mary says, well, how can this be? Same claim, different internal disposition. Zechariah coming out of doubt. How can this be? Mary coming out of awe. How can this be? Because Zechariah, the high priest of the church, or of the temple at that time, I, I doubt this is possible. I've wanted this my whole life, and you're telling me now that this is going to happen? Mary, on the other hand, very humble. But I'm simply a lowly handmaid of the Lord. But be it done unto me according to thy word. So part of our obedience, if we are to listen to Mary's example, part of our obedience as Dominicans is humility. Knowing that perhaps if I don't see the entire picture, God does. And if I don't understand fully where I'm walking, God is before me and it is okay. Do we answer God's call with our own plans in our minds? Or do we answer God's call by opening our minds to God's will? Mary is wholly united with her son. She is preserved free from all stain of sin and through the course of this earthly life when it was finished, taken up body and soul into heavenly glory. Mary's unique vocation. In giving birth, Mary keeps her virginity. In her dormition, she did not leave the world. We were joined with Mary to the source of life, her son. My student master in seminary had a beautiful prayer. He would always begin with, Mary, mother of the word incarnate, and we would respond, be mother of the word within us. How do we bear the word of God within us? That's a good question. We are all called to be, in a sense, pregnant with the word of God, bearing his word to others. But notice that with Mary, what happens? Not only does our Lord receive his human nature from her, he also brings with him the nature of God. Do we, as preachers of the gospel, simply retell what's already told to us? Or do we take the word of God and unite that to who we are? Is it simply proclaiming the word or do we preach the word? Proclaiming is one thing. It's great to proclaim as we do at Mass, as we do in liturgy, as we do in street preaching. You know, I, I see the Word of God, I bring it forth. But a true preacher integrates that and makes it connected. As I was talking to uh, Mike earlier this morning, uh, one of the great uh, experiences for me was working at a local county jail. We would gather every Tuesday evening and inmates would come in, we'd sit down, we would take the lectionary for the Sunday. Most of these people, I think they had one Catholic in the entire group. The rest of us, the rest of us, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, 
<laughs> See, you, you, you identify with the people you serve. The rest of the group, um, non-Catholics, even a couple of non-Christians. But when we started reading the Scripture, they would make connections. And they would tie in to their own broken lives some story that they heard from Scripture. And for me, that was a a revelation, a personal revelation, that no matter where people come from, if they are open, if they are truly open to God's Word, He will speak and transform. And they will integrate that Word. And so where I, you know, a little farm-grown boy from South Louisiana had no idea what inner city St. Louis was like. All I could bring was what I know. A sense of family and community. And the word that God had given me. In that community, it transformed into, for them, words they knew how to communicate to their own situation the imprisoned, the downtrodden. And see how beautifully the Word of God moves through us. And how if we are open, we let God's Word transform not only us, but our situation, our thought. And so God kind of creates a vehicle for His own Word. 2,000 years ago, God wanted His Word to come through the vehicle of a pure virgin woman of great faith. And so taught us what true love, the true love of a mother, unhindered by sin, looks like. And it taught even, dare I say, Jesus in His own humanity. Because Jesus, of course, knew the perfect love of His Father. And he came to learn the tender compassion and care of his mother. And that, too, Jesus being the Word of God, comes in a certain context. He then goes forth with a perfect mother and a perfect father, knowing perfect love to fulfill his mission. Do we look into our own lives and see what God has given us. And I'm not just talking about the grace. I'm not just talking about the virtues. Do we see the little things in our families, in our lives, in our occupations? Ways that we can tether the Word of God in our lives. Anchor it to our understanding. So that we can then make it relevant to others. Getting ahead of myself. But I do that. Going back to obedience. What was Mary doing when the angel revealed to her that she would bear the only Son of God? Scripture's really quiet about this. We've added our own kind of thoughts of where she might be. Well, was she busy about town? Was she busy at work? Was she out in the field? Well, we have to rely on our tradition here, and I think our tradition tells us otherwise. Mary was more than likely at home, 
in silent contemplation, if not asleep, at rest. Mary was in a place where she was unhindered by the chaos of the world around her and able to truly hear Jesus, the Word of God, spoken through the Holy Spirit coming into her life. Though she did not know Him at first, through her silence, through her prayer, she came to experience God. Are we humble in our lives, humble to silence? Are we humble to our prayer life? It's very important that we be. You know more than I do how hectic our life becomes. There are no end to the distractions. The chaos of the modern world is almost unsurmountable. I can't imagine Mary getting a free and silent moment 2,000 years ago. I can't imagine today how bad it is. But, like Mary, we draw away, as we do today. We humble ourselves to our Father's call to contemplate, to pray, to step out of the world into God's grace, to rejuvenate so that we too can bear the Word of God. Who among us would bear a child and raise him in a marketplace? Could you see taking your son or daughter in a crib and placing them out in the middle of an intersection and saying, well, this is a good place for you to be. You can grow up right here in traffic. No. Or in the middle of, you know, the marketplace or a football field. No. We raise our children in a home. We raise them in a safe place. We must bear the word of God, the word in us the same way, giving the word a quiet place to grow, a quiet place to change us. And then we see what Elizabeth, Mary's cousin. So the word of God first comes to Mary, and then Mary immediately brings, in haste, brings that word to someone else. To her cousin Elizabeth. Again, we don't know what Elizabeth was doing at that time, but it doesn't matter, does it? The moment the mother of God arrives at her home, Elizabeth stops and visits with Mary and experiences and encounters the Word in her. The dilemma of our days, the obligations, those other hindrances I spoke of, commercial activities, family and social commitments, can hinder us also from having a holy Lent. If we are preparing for those Paschal mysteries, we must take time to go into the desert. We must take time to experience the silence, the prayer, to really discipline ourselves. I refer to Lent as being kind of like a, oh, like a boot camp. Or for those of us who are really, really off the mark, sometimes it's like rehab for the spiritually, you know, uh, it is. I mean, what do you do when you go into, you know, rehabilitation? 
You're put in a space where you can build the structures that are necessary for your life to do what is healthy, what is good. That is Lent. Mary did not need that. Jesus did not need that. But Jesus entered into His 40 days so that He could show us what it would look like. So that He could show us that even the Son of God is not exempt from the devil's attention. Because the devil wants to enter into our lives too and distract us. The devil wants to heighten all of those bad things, those bad habits. The bickering, the arguing, the the fighting, the greed, the lust, whatever it is. The devil wants to kind of, you know, crank that up a little. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 come out to the desert with me. Put that stuff away. I remember from Hebrews, we prayed it in the Psalms uh, earlier this morning, the Psalms of um, penance before morning prayer in the chapel. Sacrifice and offering you do not desire. In holocaust and sin offering you take no delight. My sacrifice, a pure, contrite spirit, Lord, you will not spurn. In all things, Mary brought a pure and contrite spirit. A great desire to do God's will. Mary didn't have much to give. At least not of sin offerings and and burnt offerings. You know, she was married to a carpenter. It's not like they had a lot of lambs running around that she could just sacrifice any time. She wanted to. No. Mary offered what she had. Herself. Part of our consecration as religious, too, is once we have given up everything, what do we have? Our very selves. What did Jesus have that no one else had? Himself. I tell couples when they're preparing for marriage... What is the one thing you bring? And this is a great thing. Ask a young couple preparing for marriage, what is the one thing you can give your spouse that no one else can give? And they'll say, well, love. And I'll say, well, I I can love your spouse. And they look at me and I'm like, "Don't, don't hit, don't hit. I can love your spouse. Not the same way, but I could love your spouse. Oh, okay. So what can you give that no one else can give? Um... My loyalty? Friendship? No, I can give that too. What's the one thing you have to give that no one else can give? Your very self. What is exchanged in the bond of marriage? What's the covenant based on? Total self-giving. Mary gave herself totally to God. She gave the only thing she had the greatest worth the greatest value her very life and she did it as a forerunner in a sense of her son who would give everything he had for the church he loved the bride the bride he redeemed this holy obedience we talk about I'm uh, reminded of our own father Brian Pierce uh, Brian served as the master's associate to the nuns for seven years in Rome. And I remember him saying this. He doubts it to this day. He said he would never have said anything this pious. But he did. I heard him. He said, I believe any time the community asks us to do something, 
That's the Holy Spirit speaking through the church. And we must say yes to that. When Mary was asked to be the mother of our Lord, she knew it was the Holy Spirit speaking. And she said yes. What are you being called to at this point in your life? Where does your community need you? Are you willing to say yes? There's always a need. But the question is, what specifically is God asking each of you? And I would hope you'll take some time today to, to ponder that. Perhaps you're further along in your discernment and you know, you know there are checkpoints. They're, they're called sacraments and they're called assignments. So at baptism, you've made a decision. I'm a Christian. At Eucharist, you've made a decision. I am in communion with Holy Mother Church. Maybe you're married. Maybe you're ordained. Maybe you've made religious consecration. Those are checkpoints. From that point forward, you must always choose based on that part of your life. So, it's different for each one of us. But we're all being called. So at your checkpoint, where's God calling you now? I'm drawn to um, Teresa of Calcutta, Mother Teresa's words. She wrote to um, Cardinal uh, uh, Picacci, I believe is his name. Terrible with pronunciations. She was writing to him, and she said, uh, I have already done with God's grace much, because I gave Jesus a free hand, knowing that I can't do anything by myself. The conviction of my nothingness has made the work in the whole society completely his. He will still do greater things if he finds somebody more nothing than I. Sounds like Mother Teresa. Almost reminds me of St. John the Baptist. Jesus must increase, I must decrease. And there we are. We bring everything to God, knowing that we really have nothing. That even the greatest gifts we have are God's gift. Now, I'm not going to preach to the choir here. I'm only going to you know, caution us all of the world we live in. There is a great sense of Entitlement. We face it every day. I mean, you watch entire shows now. I mean, it used to be that you could watch, you know, interesting comedy or good television. Today, almost every show I watch, I try not to watch much of it, reality TV, for example, is based on I've got something great and I can do something. And look how great I am, and I'm going to be better than you. Our entire culture is based on the sense of my only worth, my only good, is improving that I'm better than others. That's not Mary's model. That's certainly not what our Lord advocated. If anything, our Lord reached out to those people who thought they were better than others. He tried to reach out. 
to the scribe and Pharisee. They wouldn't listen. But he did reach out to the tax collector, such as Levi. Well, here's somebody who makes a living off of putting down on others and reaping all the benefits. And Jesus offers them something different. He says, fine, so you've made it this far. You've done all of this in your life. What do you got to show for it? This world wants us to buy into the belief that everything we have comes from ourselves. That we are our own. You know, I am the master of my fate. I am the commander of my life. Well, that's not true. I mean, it can be. We can become the masters of our own lives. But like... Um, C.S. Lewis put it, at the end of the day, we're going to come face to face with our Heavenly Father. And one of two things will happen. We will look to God and say, Thy will be done. Or God will look to us and say, Thy will be done. And we don't want to go the route of God saying to us, Thy will be done. Because to that end is despair. Loneliness emptiness. But following our Father's will brings us that great joy. Did anybody in here make himself? No? no? Nobody? Okay. Good. So no one here created his or herself, right? Good. When I create a work of art, I create it for a certain purpose. In man, God created the greatest work of art in history. And he only wants for us to be what he calls us to be. We pay no greater tribute to God than in humility to give to him what he asks of us. Of all men and women in the world, Mary ranks as highest the mother of God, the perfect person created by God. Do I have time still? Okay, good. Uh, and so we see that for her, the greatest vocation is, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to thy word. And so Mary shows that it's not about being the mother of God that mattered to her. It was about being his disciple. Sure, she had a unique vocation, but she answered that, as we all should, by saying yes to God. Notice the last two times in Scripture that we hear the Mother of God and God the Father speaking. What do they both say to us about Jesus? Say it again, say it loudly. Listen to him. Do whatever he says. Mary's last words recorded in Scripture. Do whatever he tells you to do. And she speaks in confidence. She speaks from experience. Not a, gosh, I hope that you know my son can take care of this issue of water into wine. No. Do whatever he says. If you trust in him the way I've trusted in him, I promise you will not be disappointed. Now, God speaks to us through so many ways. But as Dominicans, God speaks through the church. 
And the church speaks through our community. We should listen to one another. We should listen to the Holy Spirit speaking through our spiritual directors, through our fellow members here. God will speak. We just need to be humble and listen. You know, what really, really frustrates me, and I can just shake them sometimes, is people who say to me, well, Father, I don't know what I want to do with my life. Okay. Well, everyone says, you know, I should be a priest. Okay. And I think that would be a really, really good thing. Okay. But I'm waiting for God to say to me, you need to be a priest. I said, well, who do you think you are? I mean, really, you of all people in all the world history, you, know, you, you, okay. So, um, you know, are you Samuel? Are you Elijah? Are you Mary? No. Then why can't you do what most of creation has done? What most holy men and women, what most saints have done? In fact, St. John of the Cross says to us, if you hear what you think is the Word of God, if you think you hear the voice of God telling you to do something, ignore it. Take it to your spiritual director. Then decide. So even the saints are telling us, those who are closest to you know, the charity and love, the love of God, their vocation, the saints are saying, look, if you think you hear the Word of God, bring it to your community. Bring it to the church. But the problem, the difficulty, is then we've got to do what the church tells us. <laughs> and that's the hardest part. You know, uh, my own becoming pastor within a year of ordination to the priesthood, which is just a crazy thing, came out of my provincial and, and our chapter saying, you know, I remember Father Tom Condon, my predecessor at St. Peter, now the uh, the provincial saying, well, Augie, do you think you can be pastor? Well, Tom, if no one else will do it, I'll do it. That's not a good answer, but at least it got me there. <laughs> if no one else is there, I'll do it. God doesn't want to hear if nobody else is there, I'll do it. God wants to hear, yes, if you call me, you know, be it done unto me according to thy word. And so I will end on that for now, I think. Is that right? We're coming up on time. I will end with that and give us some time for prayer, some for reflection. Is to remember Mary's humility, her obedience, and to always ponder in our lives, what's God calling me to do? Will I respond like the mule needing bridle and bit? Or will I respond as the handmaid of the Lord? Mary, Mother of the Word incarnate, be Mother of the Word within us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
Could I have a volunteer to uh, keep us on schedule when we're out in the recreation hall? The schedule is posted. I need somebody to ring the bell. Keep us. Okay, thank you. So, 